that you're covered by God's grace tonight. Isn't that such a wonderful feeling to know that he's got you in his hands?
I want them to get ready to sing that again. Maybe a verse in the chorus, however you feel led. Are you hearing those words tonight? Covered by grace. Covered. No matter where you go, no matter where your life is taking you, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you're standing tonight, you are covered. This banner over us. Kids used to sing that song. His banner over me is love. I want you right where you are. Would you just take just a moment? We're not in no big hurry. We're not in a rush tonight. We don't have to do things any certain kind of way. I don't know if you're what your day's been like, but you know what? Sometimes it's right for us to just take a few minutes. And I mean, forget about everything around you. Forget about your clock. Forget about what you left in the oven. Forget about what's happening tomorrow. But you right where you are, just close your eyes with me tonight. He wants his people. He wants us to love on him. To be in intimate relationship with him. He wants us. He wants our heart tonight. Not just our voices. Not just our clapping and our amens. He, he wants our heart. Lord, we honor you tonight. We take the time to just stop for a minute. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Where would we be tonight if we weren't covered? If we, every time we've fallen down, couldn't get back up, Lord, where would we be tonight? So thankful for the covering over my life. Thankful, Lord, that as I groan and I struggled in my faith in those early years, Lord, you, each time you picked me up, you just kept picking me up over and over and over again. I remember getting down so many times and I'd say, Lord, you, you, can't, you can't do it again. You can't forgive me again. I've probably just ruined everything. And oh, the love of the Lord that would just wrap his arms, embracing my spirit, touching my life. This is who we're singing about tonight. Oh, you've got a God who loves you. You've got a Lord who looks after you, a shepherd that leads you beside still waters. He wants to speak peace into your life tonight. Would you right where you are with your eyes closed, you're thinking about God. Would you just lift up your hands and begin to love on him? Would you just call out your praise? Don't be afraid to speak it out loud, to honor the presence of the Lord in this place. We love you tonight, Jesus. We praise your mighty name. We lift you up, Lord, and give you all the glory. If there's anything good or if there's anything noteworthy to talk about, if we have any praise or if there's anything, Lord, that we're proud of in the whole world, it's because of your touch. It's because of your, your hand on our lives. And we give you praise tonight. You receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Would you touch your people right where they are tonight? Lord, we've come in with the carry, carrying the weights of the world. We come in with all kinds of different things we're worried about, we're stressed out about. We go through the week, and Lord, we get to your house, and sometimes we come on in in a hurry, ready to go somewhere else. But Lord, arrest our spirit tonight. It's good to be in your presence. It's good to be in your house. Lord, we're thankful that we're covered. I want you guys to sing that again as you do. I want you, if you feel like getting out of your seat, if you want to come down to the altar, don't ever feel restrained. Don't feel like you got to do it a certain way. I want you to love the Lord tonight. 
do what you feel in your heart. If you want to walk the aisles, if you want to walk out in the lobby, I don't care. If you want to do a Jericho march around the building, help yourself. But let's love on Jesus tonight. Let's love on Him. Let's honor His presence in this place. Would you help me? Let's do that tonight. special need. I want our pastors to come around and we're going to pray with you, but I want someone in particular, I want somebody to step out now and represent little Jacob, little baby Jacob. We've been praying for him for a long time. Got a call just about two hours ago that they're waiting right now. A little three-year-old little boy who was told that he wouldn't live through the end of this year, put on a heart transplant list. Now, we've been praying with Ron, and we've seen a wonderful miracle take place in Ron's life. And in Columbus, he's sitting up in the chair tonight, eating dinner, doing great. A miracle in his life. 
Little Jacob has been given that same opportunity. They've just called the family. They've rushed down to Cincinnati. They've got a heart for little Jacob. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. They don't have a time exactly on the surgery. They're waiting. I'm waiting right now to get word on when that will happen, but it'll happen sometime tonight into tomorrow. And I want us to pray for little Jacob right now. Would you do that with me? Would you help me? Father, we come to you. We pray in the name of Jesus, you would just touch little Jacob, that you'd be with him, Father, that your work will be accomplished and done through this surgery to bring a new life, a new hope, and a new future to this precious little child. Let your work be accomplished and done as Deanie is down at the hospital now and the family is gathered all around this little baby. We're praying, God, for this miracle that we believe and know comes from your hand. Touch this child, touch this situation, anoint doctors and nurses and be with them, God. We're just believing that you're going to be in this thing from the very beginning. We know that you've blessed, we know that you've touched, and Lord, we know the recovery is going to be in your hand as well. Touch him tonight by your spirit. Let the perfect timing, let everything work together for your good in his life. And Lord, we'll never fail to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Let the healing power of Christ be his through this miracle surgery. We ask it tonight, giving you the glory, giving you the honor, giving you all the praise in Jesus' wonderful name. And now, Lord, as these are gathered in the altar, we ask you to touch them, minister to the many different needs in this congregation. Let your work be done tonight to bring healing, provision, and blessing, different needs that we bring to you, God. We just honor you, and we stand on your word, believing and praying in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.
the Lamb has overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome forever. someone in here who is excited about that because if he was not risen we would not have a reason to sing we would have no hope we would have no 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 hope in his glory no hope in his in his um in his oh jesus no hope we would have no hope and we're gonna sing we sing hallelujah again i just want somebody to get that revelation that forever he is risen and, and we have joy in that to no longer be, be dead and dry, but to live in joy and peace. Even what's going on around the world with, with shootings and what's going on with, with this gay marriage and, and all this nonsense that's around us, we have a risen Savior who is sitting at the throne and waiting for us to rise up in His power that He has for us. So as we sing, we sing hallelujah again. Just, just, just rest in that. Believe in that that he is risen forever that we have strength through him and power power through his salvation for us we sing hallelujah 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 the lamb has overcome
feels good in here tonight. How many feel good in the house of God tonight? Amen. I want you to turn and look at somebody, shake their hand, tell them you're in the right place tonight, man, at the mix. You're at the mix. Amen. I appreciate all of you. You may be seated. Appreciate all of you coming out on a Sunday night to be with us. We didn't have our mixed meal tonight, but we'll pick that back up next month. We're delighted to have, have you with us. The Browns are here tonight. We love them. They're just part of us, but we appreciate them being here. Help me make them feel welcome tonight. These are Janelle's parents. And I know exactly where they'll be after service because they go there every Sunday night. <laughs> They're wonderful folks. They're good friends to all of us, and we appreciate them being here tonight. And you, thank you for being here tonight. Our ushers are coming to serve you, and as we do, I would remind you, tonight we are honoring our special guest that's here with us. Cameron is going to be coming in just a few moments to do a, a right introduction. But, Sister Margie, we appreciate you coming from Oklahoma. I know you were in the area, but we appreciate you being with us tonight. We've been looking forward to having you with us, looking forward to hearing your ministry and what God is doing in you and what words you've brought to us tonight. We appreciate that. Thank you, and on behalf of Stratford Heights and our church family, we love you already, and we thank you for being here with us today. I wanna to bless her, and I want us to, to make sure that we do our very best in hospitality and in blessing. So help me tonight to reach in a little deeper than normal, and let's bless the ministry. She's come a long way to be here. She didn't ride a tornado over either, I don't think. Although uh, there's plenty of them there. You, you, you should be able to rest here in Ohio for a little while. We don't have warnings every day as you're used to. I tell you, ever since I've known the Jones family, I watch Oklahoma like a hawk. I mean, I'm always, I look at Ohio and Oklahoma to see what's happening there. See if I need to pray for Southern Hills or for the Jones family. We, uh, we appreciate her being with us tonight. Will you help me bless her? give is unto the Lord and let God bless you in your attempt to bless the ministry that she has for Israel I know this church loves Israel and so we'll pray and, and ask God to use us tonight to do that right Father as we come before you we thank you that you've blessed us Lord we've been in your presence tonight there's nothing greater than that Lord we can do a lot of programming there's a lot of things we could do to to bring the flash and to bring all that kind of stuff to light and just make it a big wow experience. And we do our best. But Lord, the most important thing about coming in together in this house is to feel and know your presence. Because Lord, when we're in those emergency situations and we're sitting in the hospitals and the waiting rooms and we don't know what's going to happen next, Lord, it's the presence of the Lord that we seek. 
It's the presence of the Lord that touches our lives and heals us, delivers us, saves us. So we honor you tonight that you're here. You said wherever two or three are gathered together in your presence, in your name, there you are in their midst. And we sense you tonight. Be with us through the remainder of the service. Let our hearts be open and touched by your word. And Lord, may we be challenged by your Holy Spirit. So we honor you and bless your name tonight. And now we give because you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Saints, so we sing worthy. Oh. 
tells us I'll exalt the Lord at all times and his praise shall continuously be in my mouth I don't know about you but I've seen the Lord high and lifted up and he is worthy to be praised this evening amen we believe and pastor says it all the time that that the kingdom of God is generational we minister to our preschool we minister to our children our youth our college age we minister to senior elderly we minister to all people and tonight is just a great expression of the the heart and praise of young adults my age i believe with all of my heart that all of us have a place in the kingdom of god and i'm thankful for this church lots of churches just grab a demographic and go after that but this church loves all of them and i know those churches do too but this church reaches out to all of those demographics because we believe in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. About, I want to thank them. Would you help me thank and appreciate this incredible worship band tonight? Just the incredible job that they're doing leading us into the presence of God and touching us and just ministered to me tonight. And I'm very thankful for each and every song that was sung tonight. About nine years ago, I preached a message in my dad's church in Oklahoma City and afterwards a bright-eyed lady that I had met a little bit came up to me her and her husband her husband wasn't able to come at the time but a bright-eyed lady came up to me and said she saw something in my life and I believed her there was something about her that was confident courageous and sure and from that moment on I've developed a relationship with Margie Pezdertz so much so that, that I listen, I call her, I, I, I say this to people, she's a teacher to me, she has been a friend to me, she's a mentor to me in many ways, and if I get too far from her, I always reach out to her, and she says, where have you been? <laughs> I always reach out because she's been that expression. About nine years ago, she looked at me and she told me that she wanted to send me on a trip to Israel, and 
she did. Her and her husband sent me on a trip. And ever since then, the, the love for the nation of Israel has been in my heart. The understanding of God's purpose and God's plan for the nation of Israel has been something that's been my ambition to learn, to seek out, to pray about. And I know that that's her heart. I want you to help me tonight welcome a friend of mine to the stage this, this evening. She's an author. She's a teacher. She's a pastor. Something, too, she's missing her church this evening uh, to be here with us. She travels all over the country and ministers. I want you to help me tonight, our church, my church, to welcome a good friend of mine, Margie Pesdertz, as she comes to the stage to minister to us this evening. Gosh, there's a picture of me laying here looking at me. That's kind of scary. Thank you for coming out tonight. I know that uh, y'all are a little afraid of the storms and stuff like that. In Oklahoma, we'd say, oh, it's not a storm. You know, we, um, Pastor was talking about those storms, and I have to tell you, I believe in miracles. I'm glad that you're a miracle-believing church, and I go out in my cul-de-sac, and I speak to those storms in the name of Jesus and command them to turn. If I was a real kind-hearted person, I'd just say, go away. But I'd just say, turn. And I'd send them out into the, into the fields and things where they can't do damage. And it's worked, praise God. So, how many of you have been to Israel? Okay. Some of you have been more than once. And those are the ones that are going to come up here after a while and dance the horror for you. Right? <laughs> okay, well, I have uh, been very fortunate in able, being able to get to go to Israel so many times. I've lived in Israel. Um, I met my husband in Israel, married him in Israel, and yes, he is an, was an American and a Christian. So, you know, when you have an appointment in Jerusalem, you have an appointment in Jerusalem. Anyhow, I could um, just razzle-dazzle you with stories about Israel until, you know, you're ready to lay down and go to sleep. But I wanted to just start with, with one of my favorite scriptures, and that's Genesis 12:3. I totally believe this, and my husband David and I stood completely on the scripture, and I do today. Um, I believe God, and I believe his word has not passed away, any of it. And I believe from Genesis to Revelation and back again. And in Genesis 12, 3, God is speaking to uh, Abraham, but he's also speaking to you and me. And he says... Um, uh, he's telling Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who curses you I will curse, and by you all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. Well, you know, I have seen and I have experienced and I have known that that blessing is on Israel today just as it has ever been. And it's exciting for me to watch this. It's exciting to um, see God's blessings not only unfold but grow and mature. And Israel is such a bright, shining light in that little tiny, tiny country up there in the midst of all of those hostile neighbors. So when talking with Cameron, I said, well, you know, what do you all want me to talk about? You know, just... I can tell you politics. I can tell you just about anything you want to know about Israel. I can give you recipes if that's what you want to know. But he said, share some of my stories. 
So I'm going to do that. I have about three stories I want to share with you. The first one was, is about my first trip to Israel in 1984. Now, let me make it clear. I am a Christian. I am a Gentile, not Jewish. Uh, I was raised in northern Oklahoma on a farm. I could drive a tractor. haven't done it for a while, but, you know, I know from which I came. Anyhow, in uh, 1984, my mother and I went to Israel together with uh, some friends of mine. We were 14 of us and we went on a tour. And uh, we went all over the land. And then the bus drove off. And my mother and I stayed behind for a week. And that week opened incredible doors for us, for me. It was, first of all, it was a little sinking feeling watching that bus drive off and knowing for the first time in your life you're responsible for your mother. I was a little scared. But we got a car and we took off. And we drove Israel. And I had, there's a place called Akko in northern Israel right near Haifa. And I wanted to go to Akko at sunset to take a specific picture someone had and had lost the negative to it. And I wanted to replace that negative for him. And so we're on this mountaintop. And we can see this gorgeous view of the, of the Mediterranean. And I can see Akko in the distance. And I am really macho at that point. And so I said, Mother, there's Akko. I think if we go right now, we can get there by 5 o'clock. It was 4 o'clock. I had never driven in Haifa before. But God had. So we came down off of a mountaintop and turned onto that coastal highway right there. And but at that time, Israel was moving her army through hitchhiking. And I knew that. So I was really excited about the prospect of picking up some soldiers. Now, my mother was not excited about anything like that at all. My mother was into fear. So anyhow, we come down, we turn like this onto the highway, and there is a bus stop, and there's a bunch of Israeli soldiers, and I hit the brakes, and one came over to the car, and he's dressed in fatigues, has no weaponry with him, no helmet, no anything. He just has on fatigues, and on top of that, he can't speak English. But somehow we communicated, and I said, can you get me to Akko? Ken, Ken, Ken is yes in Hebrew. So he gets in the car. Well, my mother is on boiling point now. And so we're driving through the serpentine streets of Haifa, which I would never have made on my own at, the, at that time. And we turn and turn, and he just keeps, he'll point me on, tap me on the shoulder and say, this way, this way, this way. And then we would go like he would point. And about the time we're driving by Israel's nuclear reactors that are not nuclear reactors, my mother has, with great pomp and circumstance, taken all of her jewelry off, thrown it into her purse, hugging her purse toward her, and saying, you're going to get us killed. And I said, Mother, did it ever cross your mind that maybe we've picked up an angel? She's so mad. So I can see Akko now, and I can see where I want to go. I just don't know where to turn. And I said, Fortress, Fortress, Ken, Ken, and he's going, turn, turn, turn. And so I turned. He literally took me right up to the spot I wanted to go. I parked the car, jumped out, reached down to get the camera out of the back seat, and looked up, and he was gone. Just gone. Now, my mother said, you go ahead. I'll lock the car. So I take the camera, and I run to the vantage point to take the picture at sunset. She saunters over. We walk through the fortress at Akko. We don't say a word about it. And I just assume that something happened, but I didn't know what. And so the next day, we get up and we go further north to Russian Nikra, which is right on the Lebanese border. 
And my mother, when we were in southern Israel, she was so afraid that she would not ride in the cable car to go up to Masada. And so your choices for Masada are the cable car or a serpentine path. So she sat and drank Coke while we went up to Masada. And I let her get by with that. But now, now, I know what lays at the mouth of, of the Mediterranean. And it's the most beautiful caves you've ever seen. Alabaster caves, the white caves of the turquoise Mediterranean. And I decided, Mother's not going to get by with that this time. So I said, there's the cable car. You're riding it. She said, okay. And I look at her and, okay. So we go down the cable cars. We walk around in these caves. You know, they're very pretty. They're lighted now. This is where in 47, just prior to the uh, Israel being declared as a state in 1948, uh, Jews would uh, get, jump off of ships and swim in very treacherous water, hide in the caves, and then the kibbutzniks from down below would come at night and get them out and take them in and make them Israelis. So we go down the cave, and we walk around. We come upstairs and back again in the cable car. We have lunch. It's October. It's still hot. We back out, and this guy walks up to the car, and he says, do you have one more? have room for one more? And I said, no. And my mother said, yes. And I thought, who is this person in the car with me? And so for the next day and a half, he traveled around northern Israel with us, and I'm not kidding you, my mother had changed so much in that time frame. And we had reservations on a, on a moshav for a guest house. We went there, we spent the night. And my mother even had the audacity to tell this stranger that he could come into our room and take a shower when we went to breakfast. And I'm thinking, I don't know who you are, but you changed. And it was that experience with the, that Israeli soldier that disappeared at Akko. That changed my mother. Now, let me tell you, since we got back to Oklahoma, she got back into fear. She welcomed that back. But anyhow, that was my first experience with Israel, one of the many, many experiences that have happened. And a friend of mine, a Jewish friend, has challenged me. She said, you need to write a book called Why Israel? So one of these days when I slow down, I'll do that. Um, God has just done some amazing things in Israel. You believe in miracles. Did you know that miracles in, in Israel are a reality? You have to believe in miracles to survive there. Because every day that Israel is in existence is a day of survival. It's a day of miracle. And it's absolutely exciting to see what God is doing. How many of you are into prophecy? You read prophecy? You study prophecy? You know, prophecy really began on May 14, 1948 the day Israel declared her independence. And you, you look at that and you start marking in your Bible all the headlines that happened since then, and you'll see prophecy fulfilled. One of the most exciting things, I think, that happened, as far as I know about, well, a couple of things. I'm going to get ahead of myself here for a minute. Ten years ago this month, the disengagement at Gaza happened. And are you all familiar with that? Gaza uh, was a strip of sand right on the Mediterranean southern Israel, and in 1970s, early 70s, Israelis went there at the behest of the government to establish Gaza as farmland. Now, this is sand, you know, beach sand. And so the Arabs welcomed them with bread and salt and said, welcome, fools, nothing grows here. And Israel turned that into a $100 million a year export business in that time frame. 
And she built it up, and there were towns and villages and schools. 5,000 Arabs were employed there, and it was wonderful. And it was like paradise, absolutely paradise. And then the peace plans began, and things became really hot. And so Ariel Sharon, who had at one time been a great warrior of Israel, uh, decided with our government and several other governments around the world that Israel would give up Gaza for peace. And what they got was P-I-E-C-E. They didn't get peace. And so uh, they, took, they went in there and they moved out 15 communities. Now, can you imagine coming here from Columbus? I drove through a lot of little communities. Can you imagine moving everyone out of that community? Lock, stock, and barrel. Moving them. Moving the cemeteries, digging the bodies up, and moving cemeteries. That's what Israel did, all for peace. And peace didn't happen. But God said, don't mess with my land. I like it. Don't be messing with it. And so Ariel Sharon had a stroke. Just a few months afterwards, we just celebrated the 10th anniversary of the Gaza disengagement. And within just a few months, that was in August and December, Ariel Sharon had a stroke, which left him very much an invalid, and he just died, I think, two years ago, I believe. Left the mighty, mighty warrior, left as a vegetable, lingering and waiting. His vice, uh, or his co-leader at the time, co-prime minister, was Ehud Olmert. And Ehud Olmert was involved in all this stuff. And Ehud Olmert has spent a fortune in the last few years, defending himself and is now on his way to prison for six years for corruption. God said, don't mess with my land. Don't do it. And now we're trying to do that again. We're trying to mess with the land of Judea and Samaria. So that's my little political statement there. So I wanted to tell you about something that happened just a year ago. The most exciting thing I thought that that God could do. And I just heard page two of the story the other day. But how many of you know what the Shemitah year is? Okay, this is the seventh year. You know, God said, on the seventh day you rest. We don't do that, do we? But on the seventh day you rest. And then seven times seven, after seven sevens, you have a jubilee year, and the land rests. That's when it rests for a year. And it lays fallow. At the, at the end of seven years, the land lays fallow. And then you have the Jubilee year in the 50th year. Well, right now, the year that we're currently in, which on the Hebrew calendar is 5775, is a Shemitah year. And this is the year that the ground lays fallow. You can't plant anything. You can go pick whatever grows naturally on the trees and stuff like that. But you can't plant. And so it's really important that uh, the fruits and stuff be preserved or whatever. So there in the suburb of Tel Aviv, there's a little community called B'nai Barak. And it's like entering into a third world country. I'm not kidding you. And so there were some really crazy rabbis there, like five of them, that are ultra, ultra orthodox. And they get into a car, and they're driving all over Israel, the plains of Israel, looking for a wheat field. And this is just as the war is getting ready to break out last year. And they're looking for a specific wheat field. It has to be so big. 
has to have the right kind of wheat, right kind of grain in it, and the farmer has to be willing to sell it, and it has to be cut that day. Now, that's quite a few stipulations, isn't it? And so they're looking, and the reason they're looking for this is this is the very special wheat that is used at Passover, Pesach, for the matzah. Because the matzah, you know, it's like a big cracker. It, the matzah used at Pesach is different from the matzah they use the rest of the year. And so they're looking for this very special wheat. And they find the field. And they go to the farmer, and they make the deal, and the farmer agrees, and he goes out and he cuts the field. The war is happening. And all of a sudden, Israel has this thing happen called tunnels, you know, from Gaza into Israel. Do you all know about the tunnels? Okay, so uh, you probably saw this on television. I saw it, but I didn't quite get it all. And so all of a sudden, these guys popped up out of nowhere out of one of these tunnels. And within 90 seconds, they went away. They were blown to smithereens. Well, the rest of the story is they didn't take into consideration the Jews obeying God's law, harvesting the, sh the field before Shemitah began, and they lost their cover when that wheat field was harvested. And God protected not only that kibbutz that was right there, but he protected all of Israel, and all of a sudden they got it. They really realized that the whole, uh, the whole idea was on Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, which would have been the beginning of the Shemitah year, that these guys were going to come up out of these tunnels and kill and kidnap Jews and just wreak havoc all over Israel. God let them come up in a naked field. He revealed them because of obedience to his word. I love that story. I love it. And this is what I mean. Every day in Israel is a miraculous day because the Jews just go through life being obedient and God does things to protect them, and I am so thankful for his protection. Even so, my prayers are constantly, Lord, as our brother prayed this morning, Lord, protect Israel. Protect her airspace. Protect her water, her water supply. Protect her, her borders. And now, Lord, protect her undergrounds as well. How much hatred does it take to dig a tunnel five to seven stories deep? For the purpose of killing. How much hatred is that? I mean, it's a hatred I don't even comprehend. But it's a hatred. But God's hand is there protecting the Jews, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, it's really pretty amazing. So I wanted to tell you about the work I do in Israel, because this is all a part of my life, my connection with Israel. The first time I went to Israel in 1984, that was when we saw the angel, when we left, got on the plane to head home, it was actually, it was my birthday. And uh, at that time, Israel's old airport was still in existence. And so we had to take a bus out to the plane, walk across the tarmac and go up the steps. And so mother went ahead. I said, you go on, I want to take one last picture. And so she did that. And I took this last picture and I started to weep. And I said, shalom, Israel. And I began to weep. Israel had grabbed my heart, and she's never let loose, and I'm glad for that. While then meeting my husband in Israel, marrying him in Israel, and all that stuff, you know, it was just like this joint love affair with not only with each other, but with the land of Israel as well and God's chosen people. One day, 
about 12 years ago. I think that's right. My husband was reading a story online about a community called Adora, which is very near Bethlehem. And Adora has, you know, it was a small community of about 1,000 people. And they had a fence. And the fence was very weak and needed a lot of repair work done on it. And um, a terrorist got into that, in through the fence, and he killed a little girl, a little five-year-old girl. We prayed for a little three-year-old boy tonight. He killed a little five-year-old girl, injured her mother, killed a man, and wounded several others before, before they got him. Well, my husband read that story, and the thing that gripped him was um, they found the little girl's body on blood-drenched Mickey Mouse sheets. And David said, that could have been one of our babies. And he just couldn't stand it. And so soon thereafter, we met Sandra Barris, who is Orthodox Jew, born and raised, would you believe, in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, in an Orthodox Jewish community, moved to Israel in 1984, I think. She and her husband made Aliyah and raised five children in Israel. And she has this organization called Christian Friends of Israeli Communities. Well, through a lot of stuff, God arranged for us to meet Sandra and connect with her. Well, we had that trip we were going to Israel. I had sent out just this, you know, quick little email, how sometimes you'll do. And I said, we're going to Israel in two weeks. If anybody wants to send any money to Israel, because, you know, it says, bless the Jews. If anybody wants to send any money to Israel, send it to me now. We'll do with it what you want us to do. If you have a place you wanted to go, we'll, we'll put it there. Otherwise, we'll find a place. My husband said, you're nuts. I said, I know. Well, I had $5,000 all of a sudden. That's how crazy God is sometimes. And so now we had to find a place to channel this money. And he had heard about Sandra, so he set up a meeting with her. We had several other ministries that we met with. But God opened the doors for us to meet with Sandra. She did not know what we were doing. She did not know we had this money or anything. We just met with her and went to her offices, and, they, and she said to my husband, said, what do you want? And he said, I want to see your books, because we had been involved with another ministry that we didn't look at the books. And uh, so he looked at the books, and, and she, he said, okay, we'll talk to you later, and laughed. And I'm sure she probably wondered what those crazy Oklahomans are doing. So anyhow, we laughed. Uh, the next day, we had some confirmation from the Lord, and so we ended up giving her that $5,000 and asked that the fence at Adora be completed, be made whole. And at that point, she told us two churches had already had promised prior to the terrace getting in, had promised to fix the fence, but had never carried through their promise. And I thought for $5,000, a child died, uh, a man died, several people were wounded for $5,000. I mean, any of us today would write a check for that if we could prevent something like that happening. And yet it happened because somebody didn't carry through with their word. So anyhow, that's how we got involved with Christian Friends of Israeli Communities. And we work in Judea and Samaria. Now in Ezekiel 36, God is speaking to the heartlands of Israel, the biblical lands. You know, you see a lot on the news. You see the West Bank. You know where the West Bank is? Did you know that the West Bank is actually biblical Israel? Did you know that? Did you know that all the Bible stories that you and I know and love and teach and preach and 
talk about and rejoice in happened in either Judea or Samaria. It did not happen in Gaza. Well, one story, David went to Gaza. But it didn't happen in the plains of Israel. It happened in the, in the biblical Israel area, which is Judea and Samaria, which is the highlands, the mountainous areas of Israel. Now, if you were going to defend something, where would you defend it from? Property. You would defend it from the highland, right? And so God says in, in Ezekiel 36, to the, to the mountains of Israel, to the mountains. He says, you're barren today, but I'm going to bring my people back. And you're going to bloom, and you're going to have vineyards, and there will be joy in these hills and in these mountaintops. And woe to the nations who mock you and say that you belong to them. You don't. You belong to me. And that's what I have seen happen right before my very eyes is those mountaintops come back to life again with vineyards and homes and schools and communities and little cities and that kind of stuff. And so that's where we work. And that's what I feel like it is the blessing of the Lord to get to work there. Sandra is an Orthodox Jew, as I said. I am a Christian. Our U.S. director is a Christian. And we can work together, linking arms side by side, enjoying fellowship with each other, each of us teaching the other. We're learning from each other. And it has been such a blessing to get to do that. In a minute, I'm going to ask them to play a video about, about current day Israel. And I, this is one that we have put together. And then I want to come back and finish up my talking to you about Israel. Um, one thing I wanted to comment on, though, was these flags. Thank you. Do you know how good it feels to walk into a church and see an Israeli flag. And I sat there tonight, and I looked at those flags, and I thought, there's one thing that's wrong. The American flag and the Israeli flag need to be standing side by side, and that Christian flag wrapped around them in protection. And I thought, Lord, why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we wrapping our arms around Israel? And why aren't we wrapping our arms around our country? And for us as Americans... I hope you know, I'm sure your pastor's told you numerous times, that as Israel goes, so does the world go. If we turn our back on Israel, which it looks like we're doing, uh, we're in trouble. And I want to say this one little thing. Ten years ago, we, the United States of America, present, uh, were very participatory in the disengagement from Gaza. We moved over 10,000 people out of Gaza Two weeks later, Katrina hit, hit New Orleans. You can say that's a coincidence. I don't believe there's coincidences. I believe God speaks. I live in Oklahoma. We're having a whole lot of rocking and rolling going on there, and it's not music. It's earthquakes. Now, we, we talked earlier about the storms, but we have earthquakes going on, and I believe God is warning our country, warning us. Pay attention. Oklahoma is the heartland. You know, when... When the bombing happened there in 1995 and all the headlines, the heartland, the heartland was bombed, the heartland this, the heartland that. And Judea and Samaria is the heartland of Israel. And we're trying to force Israel to give up the heartland. And our heartland is experiencing earthquakes after earthquakes. Sometimes we'll have 10 and 12 a day. Ten years ago, we didn't even have earthquakes. But we're having them now. 
had some damage to my house. Not a lot, but some. So I believe God is doing a lot of shaking, a lot of warning. So I want us to see this video, and then I come back and wrap it up, and um, then turn it back to Pastor. Thanks for being here tonight. When you plant a tree, you set down roots. You become attached to the land. It becomes yours. From this spot, we have the most spectacular view in all of Israel. Right here, Elon Moreh, the Oak of Moreh, where God first promised Abraham that this land would belong to his children. And right next to that mountain, we have Mount Abel and Mount Grizim, where God brought the children of Israel when they first entered the land in order to enter into an everlasting covenant with God here in the land of Israel. God brought the children of Israel to this very spot so that it would be clear that his promise to Abraham was eternal, that God had given the land of Israel to his children as an everlasting possession. And as they entered into that covenant with God here in the land of Israel, possessing it for the first time as a nation, they understood that God was a God who kept his promises. And God continues to keep his promise as he has brought the modern day nation of Israel back here into the land, as we have become our own nation again. And we have come back here to where it all began, on the mountains of Samaria. The modern state of Israel was established in 1948 after centuries of dispersion and exile. Throughout those long years, the Jewish people prayed to God, beseeching him to return his people to their land. At last, the prayers were answered. The Jewish people were free to come home. However, the surrounding Arab neighbors refused to accept Israel's right to exist and attacked the young state again and again. Each time, God protected his people. In 1967, the Arabs attacked once again, and in just six days, Israel liberated the old city of Jerusalem and the biblical heartland of Judea and Samaria. These stones, over a thousand years ago, were walked upon by our forefathers. Today, we have a new and vibrant community of Susia that we're building in the shadow of this ancient synagogue. From where I'm standing here, you can still see the ancient road that a thousand years ago, Jews traveled from ancient Susia to the city of Hebron. Why did I come to Kiryat Arba? Why did the Jewish people come back to the land of Israel? Kiryat Arba, Hebron, is where it all began. This is where we read in the book of Genesis, where Abraham purchased the first Jewish land here, the land of Israel. We are the only people in the world who can point to a building and say our founders are buried there 4,000 years ago. Nobody in the world can make that, that statement. The Six-Day War was the turning point in my life. My husband and me felt that this miraculous war had a message to us. So we moved to Kdumim, the first community that was established in Samaria. We lived in trailers, no running water, 
no electricity. But we were so happy because we felt that we are bringing redemption to this area. To be a Jew living in the Holy Land means to live on those levels of consciousness. I also won't be here a hundred years from now, right? But I like to think that Carnation will be here. And that's why I have a, a, a children living here and I have grandchildren living here. I have three, we have three generations on this hill. Today, there are some 360,000 Jews living in Judea and Samaria in more than 150 communities. Children play and go to school. There are Bible academies, colleges, and universities. There are industrial parks, shops, and businesses. We have planted deep roots in this area, and we are here to stay. I've been living in Chavot Yair for the past four years, and every morning when I open my windows and I see this view, it makes me happy that I'm here. I moved to Carnation One 20 years ago with my husband because I wanted a place to live where I could open my front door and my children could play outside and I wouldn't have to worry about them. Well, I live in Tekoa. Really, there was no other option. I grew up here. I'm so excited that I get to raise my little children here. It is an honor for me to know that I'm living in the center of Judea, protecting Israel's borders. The settlement movement included an amazing pioneering venture in the Gaza Strip, where thousands of people settled in close to 20 communities. It was very important to be very close to the land, to the land of Israel. We felt that this part of Israel was part of our biblical heritage. After 19 years of uh, this beautiful life of building the land of Israel, everything was gone and we had to pack and find a new life and start all over again. We have to protect Judea and Samaria so that never happens again. No Jew should ever be uprooted again from their home in the land of Israel. and I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be plucked up out of their land, which I have given them, says the Lord your God. Did you like that? Okay. I wanted to show you that because I wanted you to see how deep this thing with Israel is and how much she has suffered, and yet God has protected her. He's brought her through, and this is my heartbeat, and I'm hoping that it will become your heartbeat as well. I know that there's a lot of confusion within the church. There's a lot of confusion within the political arena. There's a lot of confusion in the world on where Israel fits. But I'm going to ask you tonight to do something very special. I'm going to ask you to open your heart and ask God to show you where does Israel fit in his scheme of things? Ask him to show you truth. Isn't that what we want is truth? We don't want the confusion. We don't want the chaos. We don't want the insanity that is out there in that political arena now that the th talking heads on TV tell us what to think. You have Bibles. Open them up and ask him to show you truth. That's what we want you to do. I was speaking a while back in a little town called Odessa, Texas, the desert of Texas. And this guy came up to me afterwards and he said, well, how do the Jews look at prophecy? And I said, 
well, what do you mean? How do they look at it? And he said, well, do they study it? Do they, what, do, what do they think? Where are we now? Is Armageddon about to happen? And I said, you know what? The Jews don't study prophecy like we do. They walk it out every day. They're walking out prophecy. We're studying it, and we're reading it, and we're pouring over it, but sometimes we're missing it because we think it focuses on us, and it doesn't. It focuses on Israel. And so I wanted to share that video with you tonight. I wanted to share my heart with you, and I wanted really to ask you to please allow God to speak to your heart about Israel. Out of here in the foyer, I have a table with some free information. You can sign up to get our um, mailings. We have snail mail. We have email. We do not call you. We do not harass you. We do not give your names to anybody else. We guard them like, well, better than Fort Knox. Because we want you to know we consider ourselves an educational entity. We're a 501c3 under the educational little category. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to educate you, the church. And then we want you, the church, to go out and educate your neighbors. And there's a little booklet out there called The History of Israel and Maps. You can put that in your pocket. You can put it in your purse. You can educate someone standing in line at the grocery store if you will first educate yourself. But you must begin with yourself. And so that's what I'd ask you to do. Please come by the table tonight. I'd like to shake your hands. I'd like to answer your questions. And I'd love to have you come sign up on our information sheet. And then if you decide you don't like our information, tell us to unplug you. We will. We don't get upset over it. So that's my heart for you tonight. And um, I'm going to give it back to Pastor. Thank you for being here. Amen. You know, as we are, and we are very sure that we are in the last days, and we've understood and we've known that the history of, of Israel is our history as we look to the future and what God is doing in our lives. I find myself always looking to Israel. From a little boy, my mom raised us kids to always respect her, to love her, to pray for her. And it was with all that's been going on this last year and a half or so that, that I remember one, one night I was praying and the Lord said, pray for Israel. And I was like, Lord, I, I love to pray for Israel. I'll pray for Israel. And he said, no, in your church, pray for Israel. Look again. Look again over there at my land, my people. For out of it's going to come Everything you're looking for in the future and the wonderful, beautiful things about prophecy and about God's kingdom work and everything that fits into the prophecy of the future for the church, it all goes back to that beautiful little land. And so we started praying on Sunday mornings right in the middle of our services and we started praying for the good of Israel. We read the scriptures and we, I preached a few messages during that time on how important it is for us to seek the good of Israel, for pray, to pray for Israel, to pray, pray protection over her people, 
over her borders, over her soldiers, her grandmothers and grandfathers, sons and daughters. I have firsthand, since our church started doing that, I have seen, Sister Margie, I have seen God's blessings on our church ever since we started that. I have seen how God is just hand over fist, just things begin to start shake and move in our own work right here in our community as we pay attention to the godly things. I'm telling you, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things out there to try to keep us from the things that are vitally essential and important. The enemy loves to get us so weighed down and burdened down that we forget the priorities of what it is to be a Christian. For you and I, one of the most important things that we'll ever do, bar none, is to pay attention to godly things and to be very aware of what's happening around us. We have some wonderful people who've studied prophecy and, and teach prophecy in our church. and I'm telling you, we're, we're living it out as well because I believe with all my heart that the Lord is coming soon. As I mentioned this morning, the Bible says there'll be scoffers in the last days, and boy, have we ever seen them. They're everywhere. They're trying to throw at us that the Lord is not coming, that it's not going to happen. We've heard that since we were children. I'm telling you, that's nothing but more prophecy unfolding right before our eyes. For the Bible says scoffers will come in the last days, saying, where's the promise of the Father? Where is his coming? For we, things continue on as they always have been. The Bible says that's a sign. That's a sign. There is no safe place here. If you're looking for safety, I mean, we love our country. I'm telling you, it's getting, it's getting harder and harder and harder to feel safe, even here in God-blessed America. You have to have your confidence in God. And yet at such a time as this, we're seeing that there are so many people turning to so many other crutches and things to, to try to comfort and, and bring resolve and peace to their hearts besides what we know to be the very truth of God's word alive in our lives. God wants us to keep our eyes on him. As I was listening to our sister tonight, I, I thought about the beauty of it. I want to go, so I've never been. Yeah, I've never been. As a pastor, I should have my pastor card taken away from me. <laughs> but I've never been. And I want to go so bad. Because the one thing that I've got burning down inside my heart is to walk the land where he did. I remember, Janelle, we were all in Rome together. And we went to the, the place called, was it the Pantheon? There was a Pantheon. It was old, old, old. And one of the tour guides that was walking us around the room said, yeah, this building has been here as long as when Jesus walked the earth. And I turned around and I looked around that room and I began to walk by and touch the walls, put my feet down a little more on purpose. And I thought, wow, maybe, maybe Paul was here. Maybe he touched this wall right here. It became so alive to me being there in Rome. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in the land of the Bible. I would imagine I wouldn't be so concerned with all oh, the careless, meaningless things of my tedious life. 
if I were given the opportunity to be there. But you know, one of the things that we can do until we get there, and I know the Lord's all going to let us have our own apartment in Israel when he comes. But one of the things that we can do is that we can help. We can help carry the torch and sending others and supporting others who are doing the work over there until we get our chance. It's important that we love Israel, that we support Israel, that we look to ministries, that we can, we can hear in their hearts the sincerity and we can see what they're doing is real and it's anointed of God. I encourage you to definitely go by and talk with Sister Margie. Let the heart of what she's doing touch your heart. And however we can be a part of that, I want us to do that. I want to learn more, find out more about what's going on and what they're into and what they're doing for Israel and for the people. But we can pray for her. We can seek her good. And as that scripture in Genesis, as she read earlier, boldly proclaims, I will bless those who bless her and I will curse those who curse her. Can I say this? No matter what Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, no matter what they're all saying out there in the game they're playing with our taxes and our leadership and with our laws and with our country, don't ever let a, don't ever let a foul word or thought come from your heart against Israel. Don't ever let anyone ever try to convince you that we need to lecture them or we need to try to, cor to correct them. Or, you know, leaders come and leaders go, but ultimately we need to understand God's hand is on that place. And the scripture is true. Have enough reverence. Have enough honor for God and his word. Don't let a foul word ever come out of your mouth against her. Only blessing. Only blessing, only love, and we'll stand with her. I've made a decision, and this church has made a decision. We will stand with Israel. We will defend her. We will support her. We will love her. We will pray for her. We will not allow, we will not allow the games they're playing in politics. And understand that's what it is. You are smart enough to understand that, aren't you? I mean, we read God's word and we pray. We ought to have the mind of Christ in us. And surely you understand they're playing a big game out there. It's all about their money and it's all about their positions, their power. It's all about the games they're playing with one another. It has nothing to do with reality. Reality is right here. This is reality. And what God is speaking, what God is doing, everyone else all the games they're playing in the end when it doesn't stand up and it doesn't defend and doesn't support and it doesn't bring peace no matter how hard they talk or try we understand God's will God's purposes and his word will always stand he said heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away God has his hand on her and I like what you said tonight as it goes with Israel, so it goes with us. So we defend her. And you stand, you stand strong in defense of her. 
Don't be swayed to the left or to the right. But keep your heart sure that you love what God loves. Love what God loves. Support what God supports. You bless her, you're blessed. You curse her, and you're cursed. They'll challenge you, but you stand your ground. And it all, and it all comes home as we're dismissing here in just a moment. I want you to stand with me. That way you'll feel better. Thank you for coming out on this mixed Sunday night. There's a lot of folks that didn't make it out. I wish they would have because this is a great evening, a wonderful message, and a wonderful heart for ministry for Israel. And I love anything that has to do with Israel. But we need to understand that as well, it's important that in our families, in our lives, that by loving what God loves, we love one another. We defend and we stand with the unity of God's word over one another. We pray for one another. We love one another. We build one another up. We do everything we can to allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to use us to encourage, to strengthen, to help your brothers and your sisters in winning the battles that they fight. I want us to have prayer tonight before we leave. And as we are joined together in prayer, I want you to pray specifically for the families of our church. I want you to pray for the ministries of our church. I want you to pray for yourself. And I want you to pray for Israel. And I want us to allow God to lead us into where we need to go this next year. I'm believing we've already started doing research. We've already taken on some Israeli ministries. I definitely want to talk to you tonight. I have the opportunity after service. I want us to love what God loves. Amen. But as we are standing where you are right now, we've had such a beautiful service. Thank you, Alyssa. Am I right? Did you write most of those songs? No? Well, I thought you did. I was going to give you credit. They're beautiful songs. I love them. I know mom and dad's proud. And of the whole team, I'm so proud of all of you. Thank you. You lead us into the presence of God. But let's pray. Pray for our families. Pray for our church. Pray for our pastors and pray for yourself. Pray for Israel. Pray for our country. And let's be dismissed in a proper order of prayer tonight. Can you help me? Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we thank you for your love and your grace in our hearts and lives, our, the mercy that belongs to us because of Calvary. We pray in the name of Jesus tonight for our families. Lord, would you touch moms and dads? Would you touch families that have lost and, and they've been divided? Lord, would you touch ladies and, and gentlemen that are doing their best to raise their families in this day and in our culture. I pray in the name of Jesus, you would touch blended families, that you'd minister, Lord, your strength and your heart to the family. I pray that, God, you will lead every man, every woman into being, God, the, the children of the Lord, anointed by your spirit to be parents and to be friends, to be lovers, to be your, that your work will be accomplished in them, God, as they commit and absolutely are surrendered to the promises of God, the word of God, and bringing the covenants they've made, Lord, into a priority of their lives. I pray over them tonight in the name of Jesus. 
Let there be peace. Let there be love. Let there be laughter. Let there be such release in their homes. Let them feel the power of the presence of God over their bedrooms and their living rooms, their garages, their cars, their homes, the plans that they have for the future. I pray that you'd bless them mightily and abundantly tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would touch our church, that you'd minister to us as we, as a body of Christ, Lord, work hard to do what you've called us to do in this city, not only in this city, but around the world, that your work would be accomplished through us, that you'd anoint us, Lord, with vision to see and to walk in the steps you've called us to. We pray for our church. Let us be unified. Let us be bonded together in an anointed fire and in a power, Lord, that will touch the lost of our city. And, Lord, in ministries around the world, we pray for your work to be done through us. I pray for our pastors. Anoint them. Keep them. Lord, in this day and in this time when there is so much to cause distraction, so many things to cause, Lord, them to go left and right, I just pray protection over them. Pray your anointing and your power to your Holy Spirit, to just keep them in all their ways. Lord, we pray for one another. We pray for ourselves. Guide us and give us strength and grace and let your work be accomplished in us. May we be filled with a hunger and a desire to serve you, to follow after you, and to make a decision, Lord, to stop wasting time in these last days, Lord, with things that are not important. But let our priorities be our relationships with you, to know you as Paul cried out. We thank you for this tonight, Lord. And I pray for our country. I pray, Lord, for the land of Israel. As we lift these nations up to you, we pray for leaders. We pray for armies. We pray for protection. We pray over their borders. We pray, God, that you will touch and minister as your word and will would be accomplished in both places. And, Lord, and around the world, for every believer, protect them, keep them, and let the work of God be accomplished. As we leave this place tonight, God, let us leave knowing that we have heard we have heard some beautiful stories of the amazing miracles of Jesus of the Father God and the precious Holy Spirit in the land of Israel we give you honor tonight and we thank you for it all we thank you for our guest bless the ministry bless the work that they're doing in Israel let your work be accomplished through them as great great blessing is over them we pray in the name of Jesus Lord, we will never fail to give you the honor, the praise, and all the glory for it all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being here. We look forward to seeing you next month and next Sunday. In Jesus' name, God bless you.